Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back. Thank you for joining me. And for those of you who are celebrating, this episode is released on Christmas Eve, and I wish you a beautiful, beautiful Christmas Eve. Beautiful evening of light and anticipation and good cheer spent with family. I hope so. Um, When I was young, we used to travel to Brooklyn. (laughs) And I mean travel. It was a long journey from Rockland County from Palisades to go all the way into Brooklyn still is but even then uh, with even less traffic it was it was pretty onerous but we it was a tradition that we would go and visit my grandmother's youngest sister Jean and her husband Manning at their uh, townhouse in Brooklyn in Carroll Gardens and it was beautiful and they they owned the whole brownstone uh, and top to bottom and I remember it being an enchanting and very different thing from where we grew up of course to have the whole front stoop thing where we could play on the stairs and out in the street and the adults didn't mind and trusted us to be out on the street playing by ourselves without supervision. One of our favorite games was kick the can and we would play kick the can after dinner for a long time lit only by the street lights and by the Christmas lights on everyone's doorsteps. And Christmas was magical in Brooklyn. At least where they lived, all of the houses were decked out and decorated and lights and it was a fairyland to go there and visit that. Um, and they had a specific uh, Christmas Eve dinner that they shared with us, which was based around Yorkshire pudding. And my uncle Manning would be cooking this stuff up and mixing it up all day or something. I'm not even sure how it's made to this day. I never quite looked into it. It looked too complicated, but he would make it and it was delicious and melted in your mouth. Oh my God, so good and some kind of big ham maybe or something, can't remember, but it was lavish and delightful and he would be in the lower part, the the ground floor in the big kitchen cooking and then we'd transport all the food up to the living room and dining room area and everybody would be all spread out in little tables and coffee tables and whatever, you know, making the best of it and it was just so much fun we got to see other sides of the family that we didn't normally see also because my aunt Jean um, had two children of her own Susie her daughter and Steve her son uh, sorry and Danny her son 
Susie was married to Steve. <laughs> um, and also, uh, Aunt Jean had a daughter of her own from her second, uh, well, a stepdaughter of her own from her second husband, um, whose name was Arabella, and she was around our age as well. So she she hung out with us, and we got to know her a little bit from spending holiday times with her, and that was fun. I remember one incredibly controversial time when uh, Steve, Susie's husband, who was very jolly and wonderful and fun, somehow had a big, huge argument with my Uncle Jim or my brother, can't remember, and then they ended up throwing guacamole across the room at each other. It was very shocking. <laughs> it's very funny. But it was, you know, a wonderful pilgrimage to go to Brooklyn to celebrate Christmas Eve with a huge extended family in a brownstone. It was an adventure for me. And then as, you know, we got older and uh, things changed, traditions changed, and I think my mom just, you know, was like, oh, that's such a long trip. And then by the time we get home, it's like two o'clock in the morning and it's too much. And we're all exhausted. So we stopped doing that. And particularly after my grandmother died, we no longer had her house. And I'm going to tell you about her house and Christmas Day tomorrow, but um, that was a big loss. And my grandmother was the matriarch of our family and the gathering point for all of us. And after she died, my aunt and my mom shared that position. And so they split up duties and um, and my so my aunt took over the Christmas Eve portion of the huge extravaganza of celebrating the holiday. Um, and I wonder what it would have been like if we hadn't lost my grandmother's house, if if I had, well, she had, I learned later that she had intended to leave it to me and that the lawyer talked her out of it, for which I will never forgive him. Um, and because I could have carried on that role with great happiness. I am a natural, you know, person to gather community and I love to do that and I love to entertain. I love to see, you know, all these faces around a dining table and know that we brought that food together and and it's just something that I live for those moments that make me so so happy deeply happy and I would have continued that but anyway so now we go to Minos and my aunt Marina has has garnered the name the nickname Mino in later years as the children were little they gave new names to my mom my aunt um my my uh, uh mother-in-law also as i said um so my aunt is now mino and everybody calls her mino we go to mino's for christmas eve and it was decided since we have so many vegetarians in the family or pescatarians that we would revert to the traditional Italian Christmas Eve dinner and have a fish-based 
thing. And so my aunt started making this delicious fish stew, Italian fish stew called Chopino. And she, oh, she's such a good cook anyway, but she makes this, it is, it has swordfish in it and shrimp and it's a red sauce based um, stew sort of a thing that you pour over rice and somehow rice is always better at her house. I don't know, everything's better at her house. She makes such good food. And so Chopino became the tradition that we all looked forward to eagerly on Christmas Eve. In fact, my kids, you know, as they grew older, were like, oh, you know, and they had to choose between coming to my house and going to their dad's and they would be like, well, we want Chopino. So we're coming to Christmas Eve with you and we'll go to Christmas Day with dad because, you know, they were they were basing their decision making on this fish stew. It is delectable. And one year, somehow she must have made enough that she had a large amount of leftovers and my brother decided oh yeah i want to take some chopino home and he had this huge bowl of it uh you know of some kind of tupperware and two things happened the top was not put on properly and the second thing was that he put it on the stairs at my aunt's house which are open stairs with spaces that, you know, are open instead of risers in the, in the center. And as somebody was getting their stuff, they knocked that Chopino into the stairs below that went down to the basement. And it was like watching it in slow motion. It catapulted, the top burst off, and it just ricocheted off of all the walls. It seemed to have hit every single surface on its way down. It looked, because it was a red sauce, it looked like a murder had been committed in the hall there. It was absolutely gruesome and the cleanup was just unbelievable. <laughs> it took so long and it took professional carpet cleaners down in the basement uh, to take out the blood stains, <laughs> aka the tomato sauce stains. So that was that was gruesome and so sad, you know, it was like, oh no, the Chupino is going down the stairs. Oh, it was awful, awful. So the rest of the evening, the tradition is, well, my Uncle Jim used to make martinis and for everyone, anyone who wanted them. So it was, a, you know, very raucous <laughs> Christmas Eve at, at certain points when people had too many martinis. But Uncle Jim would warn you that martinis are like breasts. One is too few and three is too many. But not everyone heeded that warning all the time. So the amount of martinis that you consumed would often be the tipping point as to whether or not you decided to continue the evening into midnight mass. So midnight mass was the last item on our agenda on Christmas Eve and we would go down to the little church in our neighborhood. We'd all walk over there or if we were a little bit too tipsy, we'd drive over there and uh, it was 
Our little church is at its best on Christmas Eve. It definitely is. It's a wonderful, sweet church that was built in, you know, 18, mid-1800s or so. And the whole inside, the, um, the sanctuary is, I think it's teak, and it's beautiful warm wood that is that lines the whole ceiling and it's a peaked ceiling and up above the the altar there is a small round stained glass window that's a little cherubim a little angel with wings and that's lit up and then there are beautiful stained glass windows all along the sides but you don't see them at night particularly but you feel the warmth of the wood everywhere um, the wooden pews with deep red velvet cushions and you know Presbyterians we have to be comfortable it's not like hard wooden benches in Catholic churches um, and then there's at the back of the room there's an organ magnificent I guess it's brass it just gleams it's beautiful so there is a sense of light being captured in this space and so Christmas Eve is the perfect time to see it in all its glory because usually you don't go to church at night. And we would go, my aunt and my mom would leave dinner early. Um, my aunt, because she sang in the choir and she had to go and get on her robe and have a last little bit of practice. And then my mom, because she absolutely had to save the front row pews. Now, one year that became a bad thing well it's also a weird thing to be like sitting all the way in the front and, and because everybody's looking towards the altar and they can also see you and that's you know not always ideal in terms in fact this one year my daughter savannah had not heeded the martini uh warning warning label <laughs> and so she came to she but she was trying to do her duty and she came to midnight mass quite quite tipsy and she fell asleep in the middle of it and, you know her head lolling over on to my son who was deeply annoyed about this and at one point she just started up and with the phrase oh does anybody really ever believe this shit <laughs> we were mortified because obviously that could be heard certainly by the choir members who are sitting right in front of her. Oh, that was just gruesome and not one of her finer moments, but we laugh about it now. And then one year, so there are always lay people reading as well, yeah, bits of scripture leading up to the story of Jesus's birth. And usually it should be all of those great stories about you know they traveled by donkey and all of that stuff you know fun 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 but this one year i was invited to read because i because our shakespeare group did all of their rehearsals and performances in the back of the church in the parish house so we were part of the church community you know um so the pastor at the time invited me to be one of the readers and i was like oh how wonderful thank you sure i would love to do that unfortunately i was given a piece of text from genesis 
with the snake and Eve, which first of all is not a feminist text at all. And that pisses me off. So I was like, oh, really? Okay. So I took this thing and I read it as an actor would read it, as a story. And in my story, the voice of the snake was like, what do you mean? It wasn't me. I didn't do it. <laughs> no. And I saw people cracking up in the audience. In any case, I made it fun. And I felt like Genesis didn't have any place on Christmas Eve. And so I was a little resentful. But there were people chuckling. And I don't think it was quite the right intention for the evening. So needless to say, I was not invited to read anymore after that. And the lesson here is, you know, don't give an actor a Bible reading. It's not going to turn out how you planned. <laughs> but anyway, um, and as the service comes to its conclusion, the very last thing is Silent Night, as probably it is in many churches. But the candles are lit by one person passing candlelight to the next to the next with these little candles with paper under them so they don't drip wax on you. And after everyone has a lit candle, they turn off the lights in the church and everybody sings Silent Night and it is the very last thing. And then you blow out your candles and everybody gets up and walks out. And it's so charming. And it is a beautiful way to kick off the day. It's a meaningful way. It, it makes it feel like really a special holiday. And as you leave the church, there's a unique opportunity to see and embrace neighbors that you might not have seen for a while. Um, kids who have gone off to college and are back home for the holidays and agreed to come to church with their, their parents. Um, perhaps older parents who are back visiting that you haven't seen in years, maybe even. So there's a lot of you know, really warm, happy, communal feeling outside the front of the church at the end of the evening. And it's 12, you know, it's midnight or it's, it, the service starts at 11, so it ends at midnight. And it's midnight and perhaps there's a sprinkling of snow just coming down that portends a possible white Christmas. And you stroll home arm in arm to, of course, go and build train sets or whatever it is, but that little encapsulated moment of delicious tradition is something that I treasure. And I haven't gone to Midnight Mass every year, but I think I'll go this year because who knows where I'll be next year. And we definitely weren't there last year during the pandemic. That wasn't held at all so hopefully this year it will happen I don't know but if it will if it is I'll be there all right may you all enjoy your own traditions for those of you who celebrate this evening and I wish you love and peace and joy and I'll see you next time 
Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.